0: Right, I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Cool. Let's rock
1: and roll.
0: Hey, look at that. It's Friday again, and it's time for another episode. In this episode, I chat to Sabrina, who is the co owner of Royal Enfield Tour South Africa. So we talk about her time that she spent in India and the decision to finally settle here in South Africa. And we also talk about the future of Retzer, what they've got planned, the Indian bike tours that they offer, as well as her relationship with Royal Enfield in India. I hope you enjoy this episode. Are you well?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm kind of enjoying the lockdown as of now.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that's just... good. But
1: um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to finally meet you. I mean, we've been in touch for so long, so yes. it's great face. Or, or, like, almost like a live stream to it. Yeah, so <laughs> no, that's
0: good. great. That's why, um, uh, you know, it's unfortunate it hasn't worked out the way we wanted it to work out because um, I was hoping that I could uh, squeeze a uh, trip down to Cape Town to mm. come and do a face-to-face uh, podcast, but... Um,
1: yeah, no, yeah. we do this when you're back in Cape Town once the lockdown is over. Yeah, so absolutely, so absolutely. You can up and,
0: you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need an excuse to come down to Cape Town, because... Eh? Um, when the weather's good it's uh, there's no better t- place to ride than in, in Cape Town. Oh no,
1: Town. it's gorgeous. I love it here actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy that I'm
0: based here. now. Uh, well that's it. Um yeah. well let's start with that. I mean are you are you originally from Germany?
1: Uh originally yes. Okay. I'm a German who has lived now 11 years in India and I just relocated to Cape Town in February in fact. So Right. I'm and, very happy with that.
0: and uh how did you land up in in, in India? Did uh, like work take you there? <laughs>
1: very very long story that won't fit in this podcast probably. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, that was very accidental. I wanted to go to France um, and obviously ended up in India. Um, it was part of me trying to travel around the world, um, which I did, and that brought me to India. And I somehow stayed because I, I liked it so much. Okay. And out of one year, it became eleven. And a lot of things happened while I was there. So I started off there working as a stewardess on a luxury yacht, which was still part of my traveling. Um, and then eventually, of course, I stayed and I started working there more professionally, and um, till I eventually headed a company over there.
0: Okay. So, oh, that's yeah. interesting. So. So you say you were working on an executive yacht. I always wondered about that. that. Was like a
1: private yacht. Yeah, a private it was yacht. Yeah. The idea of me while I was in Germany and I wanted to take a year off and spend the time, you know, to see the world. One of the, I think, easiest or greatest ideas is to, you know, work on a luxury yacht. And because I have a hospitality background and I kind of had something to do with yachting and sailing back in Germany, um, I decided that would be my way forward. Um, so I just did that. That uh, didn't work out the way I had hoped, but it brought me at least to India. which was okay. And once I got there, a lot of other things and craziness happened. All right. um, just how, how India is. But uh, I fell in love with it. And I had never eaten Indian food, didn't know about India, don't do yoga, like literally no idea. I first had to Google India basically to see if it's kind of safe. And in my mind, it was Indiana Jones kind of stuff, which sounds yes which it also turned out wasn't, but um, or at least India is way more than just Indiana Jones things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that got me there on a yacht.
0: Yeah, and where, where about in India were you based?
1: Uh, I was in Mumbai, in Bombay.
0: Okay, oh, in hot and humid there.
1: Yes, it's basically constantly between 35 and 40 degrees every day. all around the year basically which is um, nice once you get used to it but of course India is really a big country and you have so much diversity there so you've been there you've been to Bangalore That's Um, right. (laughs) yeah you know the the weather in Bangalore is fantastic if you go south it changes if you go up in the north you you can have snow in winter so it really depends on uh, where you are and luckily my my profession took me all across India and Asia and I got to experience uh, a lot of it hands down
0: Oh, that's great. And then um, and then, riding bikes? When when did you start riding bikes?
1: That's actually not so so long ago. It's, it's quite recent. I started riding a bike, I think, 2015. Okay. So, um, you know how little girls always grow up wanting to be a princess? Well, I always wanted to ride motorcycles. <laughs> so that was my, my childhood dream, and um, my dad is a biker, um, and luckily I was able to do a big trip with him this year. Oh, nice. But, yeah, so one day, just like a few years ago, I said, "Okay, I woke up and I told myself I cannot live one more day in my life without knowing how to ride a motorcycle." Um, and so I called up a friend in Mumbai, and I learned how to ride a motorcycle in India. So, <laughs> so if I'm now in a more, let's say, uh, maybe westernized country or something with traffic rules, it freaks me out a little bit. But I'm getting a hang of it because I'm used to, you know, escaping elephants and chickens yes, and,
0: dogs. and cows
1: craziness yeah. um so yeah i learned it over a weekend actually in mumbai to ride a motorcycle and um, pretty shortly after, after i was riding up in the himalayas so, oh nice yeah, so yeah.
0: so what bike did you start with because i mean generally there are lots of one two fives and smaller capacity motorcycles there what's what bike did you learn on I
1: so, um, because, well, I learned it and I wanted to to start off slowly and get my, my ha- you know, hang of it. Um, so, I bought um, a 100cc motorcycle. Like in India, you know, the majority is 100 to 125 yeah. meters. Um, and then you get the 350s and the 500 meters. So, actually, I bought a Hero Honda 100cc bike and they launched the first Coffee Racer version. It was oh the yeah. first <laughs> okay. And I bought that. Uh, I loved it to bits it was fantastic it was super super lightweight and it really helped me to just you know ride around the block and to work and then back home basically which was fantastic and then I think two months later I decided that's not enough I wanted to have a custom bike so I bought a second bike a really plasticky looking charisma um a 225 and I found two guys um who could rebuild that bike into really vintage style cafe racer for me which they did Oh, um, nice. So we do the design, we fix the parts. And as India is India, you know, made actually means someone in a fisher village is going to cut the metal pieces for you and make a tank for you. And to that extent, made, and, and I love that. And these were my first two bikes that I acquired instantly. Yes. Okay. And now, obviously, I, um, I have a Royal Enfield Himalayan back, back in India.
0: Oh, okay. So what is that? Is that a 400cc, if I remember? Uh,
1: yes, it is. It is. Uh, it's 411, in fact. And uh, it's a beautiful off-roader. I mean, I love it as an ADV. Um, I initially didn't expect me to like it that much but when I got a chance in India to ride it actually last year and I went up to Darjeeling and Sikkim and up have done like 5,000 meters and you know when you cross your rivers and rocks and all of that um, it turned out to be a fabulous bike for such terrain so I, I had to buy it.
0: Oh that's great so when you first went to the Himalayas um, when was that was that some time yeah. back?
1: 2016 so after a year of riding in Mumbai around the block basically right mm-hmm. and <laughs> technically pretty good roads um my dad in fact he he got me there he called me up and um so my dad is around 70 and now he's 74 75 um so when he was 70 he called me up and said hey sabrina um we should do a trip in the himalayas there's a stretch it's the most dangerous and difficult road in the world we should totally do that and then, <laughs> Uh, I just learned to ride it last kind of on the weekend, you know, I'm just circling my house. And he said, ah, you'll be you'll be fine. Okay, so I did my research, found a good uh, place where we could do a tour. And um, shortly after, we actually went on that trip. And that's where, in fact, I met Adish, my business partner now. Um, yes. This is how South Africa came into place. But yeah, we did this wonderful trip, which is also where I wrote my ever first Royal Enfield. And honestly, I have to say, when I got to India the first time in 2008, I saw a Royal Enfield and I said, one day I have to own one um i do own 21 technically now which is great <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that was the first time riding a royal Enfield. so from 100 cc or 225 it's quite a big step we're getting on a royal infield 500 um especially for me i'm slightly smaller so it's a heavier bike just you know when you're off-roading and you need to think about what do you do if it tilts right can you can you hold it um but fortunately that really didn't happen and uh, i did far better and i have to pet myself <laughs> well, <laughs> quite well uh, on that trip because it is in fact an extremely dangerous trip to do it's a once in a lifetime experience and i can only recommend to do yeah that. absolutely
0: yeah. so the royal infields that uh, you used on that trip were they the were they the fuel injected ones or the all no, the carbureted ones.
1: The old ones. carbureted ones. Mm. Because also when you go up in the Himalayas, you face, I don't know if it's still there right now, but it used to be that you would face a lot of issues with the injected ones because of the altitude. Yes. Because you will come to a certain level when you stop, your bike will stop starting because the air is too thin and it's too high altitude and the carburetor just works much better. We used okay. to back then. I don't know if they did. They probably did some adjustments recently, but I know that the carburetors are still the preferred ones because if it breaks down... Anyone in the Himalayas can fix it quickly where if you have an EFI, um, it will be a bit of a challenge. You want yeah. basically you will be stuck.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what I heard from from one of the other guys that's been and done that trip. <coughs> he said that it <coughs> doesn't matter where you are, if you have trouble with the Royal Enfield, there's there's always someone behind a rock or something like that with some <laughs> spares. <laughs>
1: No, no, to help you out. Really, because everyone rides it everyone loves the bike and um it is technically quite simple and it's easy to fix if you know what you're doing and everyone can do it which is why it's still a, a wonderful bike to ride um anywhere in fact i think
0: yeah, yeah yeah i think so um i don't know if i mentioned to you but i've i've got a royal Enfield as well okay, i've got a i've got a 500 Electra. Oh, which wonderful. is obviously the carbureted version um yeah yeah so uh, I you love know what riding I'm talking about <laughs> yeah, so <coughs> the first time I saw an infield um, in the flesh was when I was in Bangalore, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean you could just hear that motorcycle over and above all the other motorcycles coming down the main road there, and I was like, I saw that bike, and I thought, oh, man, when I get back to South Africa, I'm going to see, see if I can find one." But they, um, for some reason, uh, they did have a guy that was um, importing them here into South Africa, but they were extremely overpriced. They were, um, I mean, what's a a fuel-injected infield going for now? Probably.
1: In India or in South Africa? No,
0: here in South Africa. Probably about Um, just over 70. Probably around 70. Yeah. So when I came back from from, uh, India, that was in 2006. um, So it must have been about… When they just brought out the fuel injected ones here, or over, well, in India, and they had them here in South Africa, they were they were selling them for sixty nine thousand rand.
1: Oh wow! That and is. I
0: mean, there. So what we're talking, two thousand and nine, when the yeah. EFI came out. Oh
1: no, that, that's way too expensive. Exactly. Right yeah.
0: So I mean, there was just I mean, you could buy a Triumph for for like ten thousand rand more. You could buy yourself a nine hundred trium- uh, Triumph here. Mm-hmm. So it just wasn't worth buying an Enfield no. then. But, yeah. Well,
1: luckily they're still at the same price, whereas everything else is now more expensive. Exactly. a <laughs> Good yeah. <the> thing. So, <laughs> yeah. so but, and know, then have this, you. When you ride in India, you're, you're on a classic. I know on, on an Enfield, yes, you got the sound and it feels great and you can take the bike anywhere. But when you are a girl riding a bike in India, it's a whole different ballgame, I think. I mean, I'm loving that because it's. Um, people used to ask me whether. It's dangerous, and I just did a, a six-day solo trip in South India as well in January. Um, and honestly, I don't think it is dangerous if you apply the same kind of care, you know, and attention that you would do anywhere in the world if you're a woman who travels solo. Yeah. But in India, you get a lot of attention. People love it when you when they see a, a woman climbing off a bike like that, and you can make a lot of friends, and everyone is helpful. And um, I always feel like I'm riding in like a a bubble of safety where people you know, don't come too close because they don't really know where to place me. So they yes. rather don't come close, which yeah. makes it safe for me on the road. That's at least yeah.
0: how it feels. <laughs> yeah. But funny enough, that's actually a very interesting comment that you made because um, there was uh, a, a lady that I had on the podcast a little while ago, Kinga. She was also She's a female motorcyclist traveling around the world. She's just been uh, going through Africa. And she said exactly the same thing to me. She said that when um in especially in these african countries when the men see a woman get off a motorcycle they tend to have a lot of respect for her and you know she feels very safe um in that so it's quite interesting that you say that
1: yeah no i I can absolutely agree with that um and i think yes you have to be wise when you travel which is true for for any way where you travel so for instance when i was riding in south india um uh, in January, so I did my little road trip, and I, you know, covered a lot of distance. And you always have to wonder where do you stop? Where will you stop for lunch? What if something happens? And then you've got to pick the spots that just seem right. Like I, I remember looking for a lunch spot, and I found these little villages, and they were crowded with truckers and a lot of men. And although there were a lot of people, it somehow felt dodgy, so I wouldn't stop. And then I found this place in the middle of nowhere where there was literally not a single person, but that one guy running this little lunch spot. And it was the most amazing space where I could have stopped. Turned out, this guy used to work in Singapore at a five-star hotel, came back to run a little roadside shop where they served food on banana leaves. you know. And it was the kindest person. And then slowly people started to come once they saw me. But it turned out to be a much safer choice, although the other one would have been the one with more people. Um, So I think you really have to be smart about the choices that you make and and follow your gut a little bit and then your experience, obviously.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So and when you're doing these kind of trips, are you documenting them, posting on on social media, keeping a Mm -hmm. journal, taking videos, that kind of thing?
1: (laughs) Yes, I try to often often I got sway get swayed away by just, you know, the writing experience. But I do. So um, I have my besides red so, i have my personal um instagram account and youtube channel as well which is called bombay global nomad because well I, I launched it while i was in bombay and when i learned riding and i feel like a global nomad as well since i've been traveling uh, so much in, in the last decade actually um so i do document this and people start, you know, recommending where to ride. I made amazing friends through that, in fact. Um, One of my friends, Hannah, she's from Sweden. She's an amazing motorcycle girl and she travels all around the world. Um, She came to South Africa as well last year and I met her in India this year as well. So I got to know her through Instagram because the female community of bikers, I think, is pretty well and closely knit. It's it's, I find it impressive how many people actually know of each other. Um, and I love it how welcoming the entire community of bikers in general is. I mean, you will know this. You, yes. you go anywhere in the world, you meet a biker and, and basically you become friends. I've done this so many times when I was in Malaysia. I would just look up motorcycle clubs or Royal Enfield clubs and connect with them. And they would take me out. And so it's, um, it's a really, um, I think, very inclusive community. And that even counts more so uh, amongst the women, I feel.
0: Sure. That's great. That's great to hear. And then, um, so, uh, so what other, uh, so what other countries have you travelled in, uh, like on on a motorcycle? Uh,
1: I've not not many enough, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, because I just started. So, um, obviously, I've done India. I, and This is still my go-to place: um, Himalayas and then South. Um, I've done South Africa, obviously. So for the last well four years since we have the business, I've been coming here regularly. So I've been riding here. Um, then I've done this year, a big, uh, last year, sorry, 2019, uh, a four week trip with my dad. So we did, um, a Europe trip, uh, covering Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, all the way along the French coast, um, to Roscoe and then crossed with a ferry over to the UK and came all okay. the way back. It was wonderful. Um, I did have a triumph there. I have to say it. Didn't, I didn't <laughs> <laughs> that's only because my dad has a Harley and I needed to keep up. Yes. So, but it was a lovely bike that one will, um, uh, wonderful wonderful motorcycle um so we did that i rode in sweden and i think that's about it as of now so i still have to to discover many more countries um on my list
0: well, that's but great so when you say when you were in malaysia and you look up some of the biker clubs and all that so obviously you weren't riding your bike but you, um so you just decided to just hook up with them just
1: yeah so usually because uh, while i was working in india i was um more on the corporate side so my work would take me all across asia and internationally as well and whenever i would finish my work the question is what do you do and they're really two big interests of mine one is salsa dancing the other one is motorcycle riding <laughs> um and these are both great ways to meet people so Absolutely. i would usually really just go online on on facebook find the the clubs or the, the groups that are talking about motorcycles and in my case often roll Enfield feel then and just um talk to them and they would be extremely welcoming and just say hi that's what i usually do whenever i go just hit up people and say hey i'm there uh, anyone wants to hang out and show me around and
0: oh that's great I
1: think that's a great way to to meet nice people. Yeah, that's clever. See something of the local culture
0: as well. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, there's nothing worse than going to a country on business and then you don't really know any local people. And I suppose you tend to land up going to the touristy places. And uh, if you hook up with local people, then, like you said, they can take you around and show you some of the more local places. No, absolutely. And um, even... I do this as when
1: I, in, in India when I travel there, so I can, like I said, I find it's a very warm culture in general, and no matter what the news say and what people will hear, I think it paints a very wrong picture of, of what India is about, because you can live there the way you live here in Cape Town, for instance, the same thing, you do your sun donors, you do your weekend rides, you go to restaurants, you have a very modern lifestyle if you want to. Um, but you also have of course the other part of it which is more rural and basic and um and raw to that extent which is um still very warm and welcoming so um i feel whenever i traveled there and i met people from india and in india they would always um be very helpful they very very um be helpful in terms of recommending you who you should contact for motorcycle rides and this is how i ended up riding in darjeeling and Sikkim last year because there's a wonderful man uh, man called karma tensing who does tours over there as well and he said sabrina Please, please, please make sure you come and ride with me through dejeeling and Sikkim up to the north, uh, which is between you know Bhutan and Nepal. Um, okay. So I did. Oh, no, that's great! I didn't know him. I just <coughs> knew of him from a group on Facebook and mm. ended up going there.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah. yeah. And so you say you you met uh, Adisha to, uh, on on that Himalayan trip.
1: That is correct.
0: And then yes. what what made you guys decide to uh, start a business together?
1: Well. Um, I think he likes to tell the story a little bit different than I do, but um, it very, it's, it's essentially the same. We were both on the trip and we got along very well. Um, and I think after the trip, a few, maybe two or three months, he had the idea of launching all Field tours South Africa. And he called me up and said, hey, Sap, I have this business idea and I think we would be brilliant business partners. And I'd like you on board. He had to do a little bit of convincing because I was very much settled in India and had my company to run and was fully, you know, a very big workaholic, um, but he did convince me and we figured that would be a great idea to just follow our passion of riding motorcycles. And we, we started off just with the idea of having two motorcycles based in Cape Town and renting it out occasionally as a, as a little, you know, passion project as a hobby. And the intention back then wasn't really to um, let it become a full-fledged business um, but it uh, yeah it kind of did accidentally I would say <laughs> organically which is brilliant because um, it really shows that it's uh, it's a beautiful motorcycle that people appreciate when they when they're in South Africa and even people living here as well it's um, something that I think I fell in love with not only with a motorcycle but also South Africa when I got here and of course we did a little recce here to show me how that would look like um and then it was really something that i couldn't stop myself from doing um mm. so i besides my work in india I would every morning wake up at 5 a.m start developing the website you know creating marketing collateral and so on and just um yeah it became um just a wonderful project that turned into uh, the work that i'm doing now full-time actually
0: oh that's great and then so when was the first time that you came to south africa was it the first time you came to do that recce
1: um no in fact and um I came the first time to South Africa in 2007. I actually did a a little holiday four week road trip with my my friends back then um, in South Africa, you know, the typical garden wood thing. And I loved everything about it. I never imagined I would live here one day. I mean, it would have been fantastic because I always really had wonderful memories of this place. But um, yeah, lucky me. 10 years later or 12 years later, here I am basically. So (laughs) um, yeah, (laughs) it's turned out
0: well. Yeah, that's great. And like, yeah. what's your what's your like now that you're here and you've been riding here? What's your best road? What's your favorite road to ride at the moment in Cape Town?
1: I wish I would have the chance to really ride a lot. I mean, I just landed up here and then yes. lockdown happened. Basically, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> um, of course, I mean Chapman's Peak is a wonderful one for your breakfast. So I love going on a morning to hot Bay down the road and then just you know riding back Chappies uh, for a little Sunday morning ride. I really enjoy that. I'm very fond of going up also just towards Melkwos. If I stay in the city, I, I just love being by the ocean and I like stopping there, you know, getting off, walking to the beach, having a look up there. Um, but then there are so many lovely places once you go further towards the Karoo and you have, you know, the little hills and mountains starting where you can get off get those off-road passes. Yeah. And that's really something I want to explore actually even further and see um, I know where we're taking the bikes when we're going on tour and what we can do with them. But um, there's so many other areas that I, I haven't explored yet that I would love to do. I would love to go all the way, you know, beyond Nice now. I haven't made it there yet and explore that area towards PE. Um, I know there are some other road Enfield enthusiasts on that side. So I would okay. love to pay for <laughs> a visit one day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's so much beauty here that uh, must be explored hopefully soon.
0: Mm, absolutely. And the nice thing about the infield is that you're not too scared to take it on a dirt road because they seem to yeah. they seem to handle quite well on a dirt road. No, exactly. I mean, I mean you're I mean, not going too I fast. I
1: really, really like about the bike because it looks great, right? So yeah. you can take it nicely for your cruising afternoon along the beach and, you know, through the city, and it still looks fantastic, but then you can also take that left turn off that dirt road and you'll be absolutely fine. You're just going to put your feet on the pedal, just stand up and um, there you go, basically. Um, it's mm-hmm. almost undestructible. These are things I would do with a Royal Enfield that I wouldn't do with the Triumph that I rode last year, for instance, where I would yeah, be sure. more concerned. Um, I did ride the Interceptor, actually, in India, um, which is a really interesting bike. So I hope we will be able to get it in South Africa uh, soon, because this is a really powerful and then smooth bike to ride as well on open roads. Oh, nice. Is, what yeah. is
0: the Interceptor? Is that the 650? Or...
1: Yes, it's the 650 that they launched recently. <laughs> Right.
0: Uh, and they haven't brought one into the country yet. Uh? Not yeah. yet, not yet.
1: Um but maybe maybe we'll manage to see some here soon this year or next year, but uh fingers crossed. Yeah. There's a lot of things in the pipeline, I hear.
0: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and then um talking about the you know the uh, Redsa the Turing um from a business point of view, I mean before the lockdown, uh it seems things have been uh, going well. I've seen lots of people um, posting photos of taking tours around South- uh, down Cape Town there?
1: No, absolutely. Um, I think it's growing very organically and people are just really loving the feel and the look and the experience of the bike. It's something um, very different and very unique from your regular touring, whether it's your GS or your Harleys, because I believe um, there's place for everyone for all types of riders and everyone has their favorite bike and it's absolutely perfect I and mean, then fine that way um but i feel that the entry is really has its vintage style so for a lot of people traveling to cape town in south africa they like that safari feel the old world charm to it as well and that's something that the entry just delivers so a lot of the rentals the one-day tours they have been picking up and then of course people who would love to um travel on a Royal Enfield on a longer tour that has been uh, increasing as well um either from people who own Royal Enfields um, or have been on previous Royal Enfield tours but also people who've never ridden on one before they keep coming here as well even if people who bought Royal Enfields back home after they've been on tours with us so oh wow that's (laughs) That's good
0: that's great yeah Yeah. and then um if I remember correctly um Adish said that you guys were also organizing trips to the Himalayas are you still doing that Mm -hmm
1: absolutely that's that's my personal personal baby so we launched it this year we're having tours starting from june till september so let's see how this currently goes but we're still holding the dates and as soon as the borders are open i think we'll be all out there so we're running two types of tours actually um and i'll be up there in the himalayas i'll be based there for two three months doing those tours to be part of the tour and guiding the tours along um yeah, with the guests, of course. So we have two tours. We have the classic adventure tour, which is Manali to Le. So you start off you know, on a slightly lower mountain level and then ride all the way up to your 5,000s. And this is the classic adventure tour. It's rough, it's, it's simple, it's basic. You ride long hours. You'll be dusty and tired by the end of the day, but you will be loving it, right? So it's one of those. That's the one I did, and I fell in love with it. Um, and that's the one that we're also offering as an adventure tour. And then we have a second tour, which is a luxury tour. It's for people who maybe would like to have a slightly more comfortable experience, who are looking for culinary experiences and better accommodations, um, who have maybe been to Ladakh and the Himalayas before. And that's something, again, like a seven, eight-day tour where we would be staying in five-star luxury accommodations, very exclusive places that other people don't really get access to. And because I lived there for so long, I have my personal connections, connections that makes it yeah. for us to really deliver a tour that no one else can, um, with experiences that are just purely unique. So I'm very much looking forward to both of those experiences. And I think um, having those connects enables us also to offer it as a very attractive price um, because I don't want to overprice tours just for the sake of it. I want to make it possible for people from South Africa to go to India, have a great experiences without having to, you know, sell their child <laughs> or their kids <laughs> for it. So yeah that's where we've launched and hopefully it will work out so the lockdown let's
0: see yeah Um, yeah so this lockdown is obviously not helping with anything at the moment and i mean you've like you said you've just relocated to south africa or real yeah relocated to south africa mm -hmm. so what a time man um so what made you relocate to south africa because i mean how long is how long has reds been going now a we, we started
1: now. technically in the end of 2016 i think officially okay. and then we had a year just to test out the borders we really ramped up end of 2018 um when we launched our shop and cafe and salt river woodstock uh, where our base is now um so it's been i would say probably one and a half years of, of solid you know business going forward mm. um well i felt very like i said I, I i wanted to really engage more in the business and i wanted to become a more permanent part of it because running it out of India has been a bit of a challenge, um, so we decided that I will actually become the um, kind of yeah director, the, the face of the company, who is going to be present in the shop. So when you walk in, you'll see me. I'll be there basically every day. Um, I did the mechanic training in Chennai in India okay. with Royal Enfield, so we've been trained by Royal Enfield directly in my mechanics to make sure we can fix all the Enfields, and I've been able to you know open up the engine and put it back together. I don't know what I'm doing, basically. Doing.
0: <laughs> well done.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and it, honestly, I've been in India for 11 years. I love this country. I still have a company there as a consulting business, which I will keep engaging with occasionally. But I wanted to move to South Africa. And uh, like I said, I fell in love with this place. I think it's beautiful here. And I really look forward to being here long term right now.
0: Yeah, um, that's great.
1: Long as I can still ride in the Himalayas, you know, during winter here. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it sounds like you got the ideal, <laughs> ideal uh, situation there. Hey, you can live in South Africa and then detours into the Himalayas. That's, That's the great. plan. <laughs> Let's see.
1: That's
0: great. So did I understand correctly now, are you guys maintaining your own bikes now? Is that, yes,
1: so we started, um, so we provide the spare parts for Royal Enfield, which um, I again have my contacts in India for. Um, we are doing the servicing for our Royal Enfield bike, so we current, we have a mechanic set up, we're currently expanding on that uh, this year as well. We are in talks as well to see what else we can do together with Royal Enfield for South Africa, so I think there's a lot of exciting things in the pipeline that... Um, hopefully we will see coming into place um, well, after the lockdown or for the next season, definitely. sure. So there's a lot of yeah, really interesting things that we have discussed and planned for. Okay, so that's great.
0: But I mean, at the moment, is there is there an official um, agent in South Africa for Royal Enfield? Because I know it's been through a couple of hands over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, no, not anymore. And that's exactly the point. So okay. um, it used to be in Belleville um, and they stopped uh, dealing with the bread. Officially, so this is when we came in basically and said, Hey, we're already here, we're in place. Isn't this something that makes just natural sense because we? have so many bikes, we ride around the country, we already do spare parts. It's something that just really felt very natural to us to see if we can become that, um, you know, turning point or that contact point for anything around Enfield. So like, you know, we have we have the merchandise already in place again, our spare parts. So whoever in South Africa would need spare parts, we're happy to supply them. If you need assistance with your bike, we can provide that as well. And um, yeah, there are a few other steps that we're currently discussing taking. Oh, well, that's great.
0: Well, Pretty it's sure. good to hear because, yeah, I always get um because look, yeah, like I said, I mean, I've seen the 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 Royal Enfield brand yeah. change hands over the last couple of years, and it's it's always a pity because it's such a nice motorcycle, especially for like riding around in Cape Town and all that thing. you know it would be a pity for that you know that support to disappear. Yeah. So I'm gl- no, so I'm I don't think that you.
1: is what's going to happen because we've been talking to the brand. I've uh, met the entire Royal Enfield team in India, and they're just amazing people. Um, they recently came here as well to, to have a look at our place. And um, they're very excited for South Africa. So even right. they look very much forward to expanding our footprint here and uh, to make this market happening again um, in the best way possible. So that's where we're collaborating with them and see what we can do together. To oh, make that's this good. Happen. because I know there are a lot of Royal Enfield riders in South Africa and they keep contacting us and they say what's happening with the brand what's happening new when's the interceptor coming and we're working on all those queries and hopefully can can make it happen yeah well,
0: great well I'm glad to hear that because um because uh to get spares for my Royal Enfield I had to bring in uh, I brought them in from the UK because the guys down at Thruxton couldn't help me yeah so I'm glad to hear that you guys are going to be um
1: yeah It works like this. If you need something, just send me your bike, send me the issue, send me a picture and within two weeks time I can usually arrange your spares. Um, If I don't have them already in stock, we'll just order them from India.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, like, I mean, for me, I mean, I don't mind waiting for the spares just as long as I can get them.
1: Yeah. Um, No, that's not a problem anymore. Yeah. So basically anything of any kind of bike we should be able to source unless it's been produced in the UK. So if it's a really old-timer kind of bike, then I don't have that contact but anything... Um, yeah, that coming from, from Royal Enfield itself these days is something we can absolutely help you with.
0: Well, that's good. That's, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I, I, we already have a really big stock of things, and I'm getting my hand on understanding what each part is and what we need. So um, it's it's been a fun ride, and um, yeah, it wouldn't be possible without the support from Royal Enfield and, and the team in India, obviously. So.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's uh, I, I always um, smile at the story of the Royal Enfield. How now always, um, you know, they always, you know, they refer to it as the bike that they um, they forgot to stop making, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, meanwhile, like the, you know, the, like the British, uh, British company, you know, folded and then like, you know, 50 years later, they're still making them in India and wow. uh, all of a sudden there's this like resurgence of, uh, you know, exporting to other countries and that kind of thing, which is, it's actually, it's, it's great that the, you know, the bike was never lost, you know.
1: Yeah, you no, know, I know, I know. I think they went through like a little dip uh, in between, um, and since uh, Sid Lal took over the company, I think he's been really fantastic in rebranding and re-energizing that entire brand, making it more appealing to to today's times. And uh, there's so much in the pipeline that they're working on and what they're doing in India to make it just really like a. Happy and happening brand at the same time. Um, they're extremely proactive and innovative that way, I must say. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited for it because it also means we hopefully will be able to go beyond eventually the bikes that we have. We are hoping that one day we'll be able to have a Himalayan fleet for South Africa. Yes. Be fantastic, especially for all those off road stretchers. It's a wonderful full bike that will fit, I think, quite nicely in between the ADVs that we already have here. So, um, that's something that I'd personally love to see.
0: Well, good. Well, well, all the best for that. eh? Thank you. (laughs) So, um, I mean, on a a serious note, I mean, this lockdown is obviously not helping your tour company. Correct. So, I suppose we're all holding our thumbs that the lockdown is going to be lifted, hopefully at the end of the month. But... um,
1: uh, yeah i mean hopefully i i personally don't think so or i think at least there will be certain restrictions in place because mm. it is not going to disappear from one day to the other but um like i said motorcycle riding once we can go out even if it needs some certain isolation i think motorcycle riding is a perfect isolation technique i know it in germany it's still allowed so my dad isolates himself by going on a motorbike trip which is yeah. brilliant yeah so i hope that this is something at least that we should be able to do and i'm currently working on some um yeah ideas on how we can make this happen for people being in cape town living here to you know help them get on a bike get out there without having to spend too much as well because i know right now everyone is a bit tight when it comes sure. to that a lot of jobs you know um are insecure so um i think yeah all the winter is going to start i think it's still lovely weather there's yeah. no reason not to write if we can uh, i'm looking forward to you know doing something for Cape Townians and in South Africa who would love to ride. And they were more than welcome to, to approach us and yeah. talk to us. Then. And then, of course, we have the Himalayan tours lined yes. up in, <laughs> in June onwards.
0: So Later, yeah. Um, yeah, because um, when I was chatting tra- to Kinga the other day, and she's back in Poland at the moment, mm-hmm. and uh, she was saying that that's the one thing that they can do. There is you're allowed to ride your motorcycle. You, you can travel in a car. I think yeah. there's only two people or something allowed in the car at a time. But you can ride your motorcycle. There's no restrictions on that, which yeah, I wish they would uh, say that was the case here in South Africa, because I'm like getting a bit itchy to climb on my motorcycle and <laughs> go for <laughs> a ride.
1: I know how you feel. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Now, hopefully, let's see. I mean, these countries are far more ahead in the curve and, and the entire experience, and we're only a few weeks in. So yeah. maybe may, um, there's going to be some kind of relaxation. So fingers crossed for that. <laughs> yeah. I go riding with a social distance and we wear gloves and we have the masks anyway. So Yeah, yeah. A great and,
0: and just don't take the helmet and the buff off, you know, where, wherever yeah. you get to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I went to the supermarket yesterday and I went on my bike and I just took my helmet off and just left the buff there so mm-hmm. that I didn't, you know, I didn't have to... Uh, I'm, I'm
1: this close to wearing my helmet in the supermarket i <laughs> found this would be actually wonderful i always wanted to do that and now you can you officially have to i think it's just great to walk in with your helmet anywhere
0: yeah it's like a friend of mine was saying yesterday it's the only time that you'll be able to walk into a bank like that <laughs> <laughs> any other time they would think that you're trying to rob the place <laughs> yeah. yeah so what's so how's the lockdown been down there in cape town i mean uh, going to the supermarket how busy is it
1: um, it's not been really busy on this side. I'm staying in Bloberg, so it's okay. um, it's quiet at the moment, I must say. And I've stocked up enough so that I don't have to go as often. Um, I'm very lucky in the space where I'm staying, so I'm staying close to the beach. I can see the ocean a little bit, and okay. I have a little bit of a, a garden, so I can go into the outdoors if I want to. So that helps a lot. Um, and I can still do a braai on Fridays if I want to. So.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> it hasn't been that bad and gave me a lot of opportunities to now you know work on new ideas for red star and what we can do in south africa and in new countries as well on tours so i think it's been actually really nice till now but sure yes, yeah I'm bike riding too
0: yeah i <laughs> can really imagine awesome. yeah because i mean when i went uh when i went to the supermarket yesterday i was actually surprised how busy it was i was like and you know i'm trying to um practice the social distancing but other people don't seem to be um, uh, that uh, interested in in keeping their distance, like people keep on getting (laughs) in my personal space
1: yeah, that's uh, something I noticed as well, I saw some people not wearing masks or any kind Mm. of cover, I understand that not everyone might be able to get a mask, but some kind of like it's your buff, a scarf, or it's just some
0: barrier Yeah.
1: Um, and that I didn't see too many of either, but um, yeah, I hope for the (laughs) best
0: yeah <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we, w- once the lockdown th- is lifted and we can fly domestically, then I'm definitely going to be uh, making a trip down to Cape Town. Um, yes,
1: absolutely. You must. You're more than yeah. welcome to come join me yes. on a socially isolated motorcycle ride <laughs> with a lot of distance. Like, you know, it's one and a half meter distance, so I have to stay really close on the bike. You have to yes. be just <laughs> yes. um, But we'll manage, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that because, yeah, I was uh, it. It was so funny because I wanted to come down in February, Mm -hmm. and then um, just like for me, work was so busy. So I thought, okay, I'll do it in March, and then all of a sudden, this whole this whole um, thing started. uh, And um, because the company that I work for, we we've got um, offices around the world, and uh, some of my colleagues that had traveled over, you know, uh, traveled to Canada. They were told that uh, when you come back from um, from Canada, you're gonna have to self quarantine for two weeks because of the fact that they were coming through London and all that. And then I thought, well, okay, maybe it's not a good idea to go down to Cape Town because my parents live down in Cape Town. Yeah, my parents are also in their 70s, and uh, you know, I would hate to be the one that that comes along with a coronavirus and infects them or any you know any any other part of my family as well. So i put that on the back burner, unfortunately.
1: Okay, well, well done, well <laughs> done, uh, because no one is going anywhere, so you can always catch up with it, but yeah, it's, it's a yeah. more sensible thing to just stay home as much as we love to see other people and would like to be in, in closer contact, but yeah. it's just something we kind of yeah, avoid for, for the time being. Yeah, I absolutely. Think so far, we've been sitting at home for three weeks, and I think there can be worse things, but yeah. um, at least for some people. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: No. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I look
1: forward to seeing you in Cape Town Whenever, whenever we can
0: Yeah, because I mean my plan was um, And I mean we can still do it My plan was um, uh, As we go out we do a bike ride um, And then along the way We stop along the way And have a chat and record Because I've got some mobile equipment And then we chat along the way, take some photos You know, it would be nice to you know, Even if we did one of your day trips And yeah. then spoke about the day trip As we did it
1: yeah. Actually, on that note, I have maybe an even uh, yeah, bigger idea. So when you come down, um, you're more than welcome to invite some friends or invite some of your listeners um, to join us on that trip. I mean, okay. I have 20 motorcycles. Um, it's going to be winter. I'm happy to put them all out there and invite everyone to just join us on a breakfast ride or like a little, little half-day tour. And we can all just ride together. Everyone gets an opportunity to ride around Enfield just okay. for fun and you get to chat and see what they think of it firsthand, writing it for the first time. I think that would be something lovely to do.
0: Yeah, that would be great. Thanks very much. That sounds awesome.
1: That's an open (laughs) invitation. Ah, thanks. can go ahead with that.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. That sounds (laughs) awesome. Yeah. So I don't know. um, Have you you ever done these uh, DGRs, the Distinguished Gentleman Runs?
1: I do. I do. I have. uh, Not in South Africa because I've always been in other countries. I've done it twice in India. Okay. And I always loved it. And this year we were looking at um, being a part of it and also in terms of organizing it. So whenever that comes up, we hopefully will be um, on the organizing side of it as well. And of course, uh, having our own out there for everyone who would love to write one.
0: Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. So, but yes. I think
1: it's a wonderful uh, annual event that uh, is being done by them. And, um, I, I love dressing up as well for that. Yeah, yeah i they think are, yeah we are actually are some look kind forward of to costume thing. I, I think one day i had even a moustache okay. so you're just gonna go with it <laughs> yeah, go with
0: it yeah <laughs> so how how were the rides in india were they um how many how many riders would would typically ride
1: Oh well, that really depends. I mean, in India, it's—I've um, done it in Kochi, which is in Kerala, in South India, and I've done it in Mumbai. And in both cities, it has been organized by Triumph. Okay. And in um, in Kochi, I was riding a Royal Enfield, at, and um, in Mumbai, actually, I was riding the Triumph Bobber. And it was uh, basically—I became the lead rider of the DGR <laughs> because it's a male orientated event, and I was riding there in the <laughs> <laughs> before. it. So um, I would say, on average, probably around. Don't let me lie, it's always so many people, probably between 200 and I would say maybe 200 people. Okay,
0: but well attended, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But, um, then also it's a challenge because you don't really have always open roads and you have to go through the city traffic and you mm. know how it is when you ride with a lot of people. It's yeah. everyone down. Um, but so far it's been uh, it's been a wonderful experience, so, you know, meeting up first and then getting together somewhere for coffee and a little snack afterwards. Um, it's been, been great meeting, meeting all these people and making the contact.
0: Yeah. So last year, um I came down to Cape Town to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh the weather was bad so they cancelled it. Well, yeah. they didn't cancel, they postponed it. But I flew I flew down to Cape Town specifically to do the DGR. And uh hmm didn't get to ride it. <laughs> I remember that we
1: even had a few bookings and people were like oh we want to rent the bike and then they had to cancel it last minute. Yeah. But well, oh, fortunately, but maybe hopefully this year. I don't know. Maybe they will just announce it as a new date whenever it is possible again. Yeah. I'm sure it's still going to happen yeah.
0: sometime. Yeah, I think I haven't made a decision yet. I might I might come down to Cape Town to do it again. Because I've got a friend who uh, who lives down in Cape Town. He's uh, living in Komiki. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got two Harleys. And uh, so last year I, f- I flew down and I was going to ride the one Harley. And uh, fortunately, we saw that the weather was potentially going to be bad on the Sunday. So we decided to go for a ride on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, we got our, well, you know, I got a ride in um, before, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately the DGO was canceled.
1: Yeah, no, that's yeah. always part to be part of that. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time, next time. And then we're yeah. going to talk about costumes and dressing up and looking yes. dapper. And that's
0: <laughs> yes. the whole spiel with it, yes. Yeah. Anyway, Sabrina, it's been great chatting. Thanks so much for your time. And, uh, Thank we'll you, keep
1: Andrew. I look forward to seeing you in Cape Town yeah, as, soon, as soon as possible. <laughs>
0: absolutely, absolutely. And all the best for the business and your new ideas and your uh, collaboration with uh, Royal Enfield. I'm looking forward to seeing that as well and uh, definitely going to be ordering some spares because I need some stuff for my Wonderful. Enfield.
1: Sounds great. Well, <laughs> you know, stay home, stay safe.
0: And there you go. That's it for another episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, please don't forget that you can rate and review the podcast on apple podcast you can send me a dm on instagram or facebook if you don't know i'm doing a live feed every saturday morning at 10 a.m it is live on youtube and instagram and i'm joined by two of my friends oleg and lester i don't have nicknames for them yet but we'll get there and they join me the bearded fen. and that my friends is the end i'll catch you next time